0: I'm not saying El Salvador is full of uh, strip, strip clubs and little repair shop. shops.
1: If, if they really want to maintain their wealthy status or even become more wealthy, Bitcoin's the way.
0: People who haven't touched gold don't understand what what money is or have a hard time understanding what money is. And then Bitcoiners come in and go, yeah, but now I got this thing you can't even touch. And it's worth more than that thing that if you touch it, you're like, yo, this feels like money, mm-hmm. right? It's like, that's really hard to, to just tell someone who doesn't who hasn't ever touched gold like skip over that if the guy that replaces him doesn't understand what bitcoin mining is or doesn't agree with it and like shuts it all down then that was just a waste of money
1: you're listening to the flirting with bitcoin podcast i'm mandana i'm ian That's Keon. And And we're we're the the Recepties. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week I let him talk my ear off about it.
0: Yeah, I'm a real cheap date.
1: Cheap maybe, but it's a lot of work.
0: If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience funded without ads or sponsors.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, this ain't your grandma's podcast. This is Podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. (laughs) See? Our son agrees with me.
0: If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media, and of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin, and the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain.
1: Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money, and so if you want to support us...
0: Babe, babe. Bitcoin is real money.
1: Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program.
0: Make that money, honey.
1: Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola, Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Sawa Thailand.
0: Hola, Brazil.
1: Namaskara, Nepal.
0: Nepal moving up. Nepal's moving up.
1: Hey.
0: Top five, Nepal. I don't know what's going on. We could text me or email me, but you guys are number what? One, two, three, four, five. That's a fat, That's the fastest ever anyone's gone from not on the charts to five.
1: We love you.
0: Good day, Canada.
1: Good day, UK.
0: Hola, Argentina.
1: Buongiorno, Italy.
0: And, and howdy,
1: howdy to, to Texas. Texas.
0: And we got to give a hello to the Netherlands because our producer is from the Netherlands.
1: Yeah, hello. Hello. And hello to all of our other listeners out there. What time is it, babe?
0: The current time is 810 326, and we are approximately 1,009 blocks since our last recording.
1: And how many blocks until the next halving?
0: We are sub 30,000 blocks for the halving. Ooh. 29,674 to be exact. Crunch time. Hey, if you haven't figured out to get your Bitcoin before the halving, do I have a website for you? (laughs) (laughs) It's called the Satoshi Savings Calculator, but it's goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com.
1: Yeah, go to our website or go directly to that link. And there's a really nifty user-friendly calculator that you can use to figure out how to get to your goals, which Ian is firmly stating needs to be one Bitcoin.
0: I mean, I'm not firmly stating that there's a guy on the Internet who's kind of started his own YouTube channel in the past like 30 or 40 days where he's that's his whole marketing pitch is like, you got to get one Bitcoin. So I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You got to get one Bitcoin as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. And like I, Ian Pail played his videos for me and like he's been talking about him. And today I like lectured my father on it. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I bought, you know, two weeks ago is the last time I bought. I'm waiting for the price to go down. And I was like, you need to work towards one Bitcoin. I feel like you've gotten to me and so has this guy. What is it? British Hodler. Is that his name? British Hoddle. British Hoddle. Um, and I was like, it's just going to keep going up. You can't wait anymore. Buy some right now. Buy some right now. And then I think like after two minutes, my dad was like, fine, I just bought five dollars. And I said, all right, great. Do it again tomorrow. <laughs> but it's getting to me like the crunch time. I feel like I'm feeling it.
0: I mean, I don't want people to feel like anxiety or pressure. When I, when you said like I was playing you certain videos, it's like I don't want you to feel pressure or anxious about getting to one Bitcoin. I just want people to understand the fundamental mathematics at play mm-hmm. for why it is possible that in the next four years, if you consider yourself a middle-class person in the Western economy, that you will not be able to afford one Bitcoin and you will never be able to afford one Bitcoin. There are plenty of things on this planet that middle-class people just cannot afford. We cannot buy private jets. We cannot buy yachts. Right? Like there's certain things we just go, oh, that's rich people stuff. Yeah. Bitcoin is like one of those things that it will be that it's just not there yet. And for some people in the world, I understand like $30,000 is a lot of money. And so certain people in the world have already experienced that and are priced out. If you're middle class in Thailand, you're probably priced out already. Doesn't mean don't buy Bitcoin. Yeah. It just means that the goal of one Bitcoin is harder for you. When I started listening to the British Hoddles, guy's like, uh, he's got a podcast slash YouTube channel. Um, He's rich. He's not like, for lack of a better term, you or me. He's a wealthy person who's made his money in real estate and his product, his channel, his brand is talking to other rich people, right? Like he's not talking, I mean, he's talking to us, but he's really saying like, hey, are you a millionaire that has like tens of millions of dollars in real estate? You might want to get one Bitcoin before All this goes down because you might not be able to get one after the next cycle happens. So the math that he used in his like case to his group, his peer group, I thought was very compelling. And uh, that's what I showed you the other night.
1: Yeah. And so let's bring it back to understanding like the value of Bitcoin currently. If I gave you one US dollar, how many acres could I get on Bitcoin Island?
0: Today, you can get 3,561 acres on sunny Bitcoin Island, but there's going to be a day we're doing this podcast where we're going to be saying hundreds <laughs> and possibly tens.
1: And then one. And,
0: and then, then it'll be like in a the fraction of an acre. And then, yeah, and then it'll be in a fraction of it. It's-
1: and then it'll really be like, oh, conceptually thinking like land. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, 3,500 acres looks like. I know what half an acre
0: looks like. <laughs> <laughs> For $1, you can and get half And that's still an acre. a lot of land. That's still a lot of yeah. land, right? So 3,561 acres, a.k.a. Satoshis, on sunny Bitcoin Island today.
1: And is price in Bitcoin back up?
0: It is. I messaged them on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They actually responded, which is rare. And he, she, they were like, yeah, it's been down. I guess they were like rebuilding their database. Mm-hmm. So like, it's back up. This week, the price of eggs are 3,953 satoshis for a dozen eggs, uh, 12,813 satoshis for a pound of ground beef, and 9,430 satoshis for a gallon of gasoline.
1: Let's talk beef.
0: Where's the beef? Where's the beef, babe? It's coming.
1: (laughs) So Ian and I last year bought half a cow Mm -hmm. from the farmer that sells goods at our farmers market. Um and this year we are getting a full cow.
0: A whole cow. A
1: whole cow. Um, and we're going to distribute it amongst our community, <laughs> relatives and friends.
0: Friends and family.
1: Um, it's really exciting because Last year, we tried to share it with other people, but people just didn't understand when we were saying we bought a cow. They're like, I don't understand. And we said, well, it's half a cow. And then they're like, what does that mean? And they, of course, what's its name? Just think like, look at a cartoon of a cow and cut it in half. No, basically, it's you buy the cow and it gets processed and you get it back in packages of uh, meat the way that you would buy at a grocery store. Right. Um, and so this time, this for some reason this year, like there's, people are just getting in the zone more. And so um, I think what we have, how many pounds of beef coming? A hundred plus two hundred? I don't know. I have no idea.
0: You're off by a factor of five. Mm-hmm.
1: Five hundred. Five hundred pounds of meat are coming our way.
0: Yeah, last year it was around two twenty. All right. Well. I took the smaller of the cows, by the way. That's funny. Mary messaged me and was like, okay, we have two cows going. Do you want the 545 or the 500? And I was like, we'll take the smaller one.
1: And have you asked if we can get it in phases or is it all at once? I got to
0: email her probably after we record this.
1: All right. Fair enough. But we have takers. We have people who are like, do you think you could get 10 pounds? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) please take more. Um, uh, But it's exciting. It's really great beef. Um, If you have a relationship with a farmer that has cows, um, really explore this because it's very high quality beef and you get to know where your beef is coming from. And also it just averages out to be incredibly cheaper than what you're paying for at the store. This is before like the crazy inflation and the price of beef in the past like year or two right yeah I it's mean, a win-win-win all around you just need a deep freezer sorry just clear, you need a deep freezer it's not gonna fit in your regular fridge
0: i mean we barely squeezed half a cow into okay. a very large full freezer that so we like, bought
1: specifically for yeah,
0: it yeah um, it, it just fit uh mm-hmm. last year it's funny that you're you're bringing up the inflation aspect in regards to like us buying a cow because We did a couple episodes ago where I was saying how people are like on Twitter or Instagram, whatever, like posting, actually talking about their bills and how they've gone up. Well, I saw an article today. I don't know which outlet it was, but it's like a mainstream news Mm -hmm. outlet now that's running that same type of story where they're basically saying, like, the federal government is saying that inflation is at X. How do you explain all of these people and their reality of? This one woman literally was like, We've been buying, we have an auto buy order on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And she just went all through it. It was like, it was 700, 750, 800, wow. 850. Like you can just see it going up wow. and it's an auto buy. Yeah. It's not like she's like randomly adding stuff she's to the She's not
1: changing the amount, yeah. she's yeah. not size. Yeah. So
0: it's it has doubled. By the end of that, it went from <laughs> 700 to 1400 for wow. the same basket of goods. I believe that. So like when you turn on the news and You see them repeating or regurgitating government stats saying inflation's at like three or four or five percent. And like Paul Krugman saying like inflation is heading down and people just don't understand the math. It's like, no, people understand reality. You know, Paul Krugman lives in a math-based world where he can pull the numbers to make it seem like things are getting better. But in the real in the real world, ridiculous, it's not, it's not even close to what they're saying. And I don't think many people were listening to those metrics before. But now I think it's gotten to the point where people are like, you are insulting my intelligence. Right. Like, OK, maybe. Like what gas,
1: reality do you live in? Yeah.
0: Like maybe gas is up a little bit here and maybe it's up a lot over there. And that's why I'm not seeing mm-hmm. it. But when you see a, a auto buy increase by 100 percent in a year, you're not. I'm not the crazy you one.
1: You those like long cucumbers, English cucumbers that they wrap in plastic? I don't know if they do this in other countries, but they like. They have long cucumbers in grocery stores that they wrap in plastic. And sometimes they bunch them in threes and wrap those in plastic. I don't quite understand this plastic because I swear every time I buy those, they get rotten really quickly. Anyways, one of those was like $3.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, in what, wor- in what
0: world? I saw lemon. Like, it was like two for $2 for lemons. It's, it's insanity. So we're buying a cow. Yeah, we're starting the garden in the backyard. Yeah, we're working on we're tr- working on it.
1: We're trying to figure out how, how to source quality
0: food, protein,
1: protein. But you know, also growing our food, whether or not or we buy it somewhere else, um, and not it, it cannot all be from the same store anymore.
0: No, it cannot. Like
1: I am going to different stores. I'm buying different things at each of those stores and seeing well, which is the best one. Price versus, you know, the value versus the taste versus how long it stays fresh. And I'm really, I didn't feel like I had to do this a few years ago, but now I'm like angry when I go and I spend a lot of money on a piece of fish and it tastes like nothing. Mm-hmm. It infuriates me.
0: And that's just a microcosm of what a lot of people are going through right now. And, you know, it seems to me that people are Actually, starting to acknowledge there's a problem, which I think a lot of people didn't have to do. I think a lot of people were able to like ride out the increase in prices and not feel it as much. But once you acknowledge, once you just accept the fact that like this has gotten ridiculous, there's a problem, you immediately start looking for a solution. Yeah. And that's, I think, what America in particular has struggled with the most from our population is. Yes, we can, people will acknowledge that the middle class is in decline and, and all of that stuff, but like enough people were doing okay that it seemed like things were okay. But now I think those people that were okay are like, "Oh, I'm what, what's going on here?"
1: Yeah, like oh. I don't have I'm dipping into my savings or I and, I, I don't really want to go on a on a weekend vacation anymore because it's going to cost what week vacation used to cost that's us
0: Exactly. i'm
1: like look i like where we live i like our house and we used ian and i used to just like oh well we should go maybe get a cabin for the weekend we should go maybe do this maybe we'll go visit that so just get a change of scenery now i'm like why why so i go to a hotel where like half of the cleaning staff isn't there so like they're cutting corners over there and i'm paying more and then i go to a restaurant where like food's just insanely expensive, but it's not really that great. And, you know, it's that whole, you know, we live in a really nice city. So also it's like, there's not a lot of places that I necessarily think are nicer than where we live anyways, but I will always rather want to do a stay staycation than, than go out and spend what's now probably a thousand dollars for two, three days somewhere
0: Mm -hmm. versus
1: just staying home. I think, and we live comfortably. It's just, I know you would rather buy Bitcoin and I would rather maybe spend that money on something that has permanent value or long-term value in like improving the quality of life at home. Even when it comes to food, I would rather spend a ton of money buying a cow so I have the best meat in my freezer than go to a restaurant and have them make me a steak. I mean, I've been like that for a long time.
0: Yeah, but I got it on tape now.
1: (laughs) I mean, I like going out to dinner. I like those experiences, but... I don't need it just because I'm hungry that
0: night. Right. But the reason, reason why I'm saying it is that that is how, that has how I, has, I have always been.
1: I know. right? You and, and my dad, man. Y'all don't believe there, in restaurants.
0: It's not that I don't <laughs> believe in restaurants. It's that I've always judged the service that I get for the money that I spend. Yeah. That was an equivalent. Forget mm-hmm. the food. Yeah. It's just the service. Yeah. And I think... Once everyone has gone to all the nice restaurants or all the, all the up-and-coming restaurants and everyone's done that at least once, for me, I didn't have to go once. But now it's like people are actually making that value judgment, in my opinion, correctly, right? Like they're saying no to those things. And the service industry is feeling the fact that people are saying, no, you can't just be a restaurant. You have to be very special, very unique, very, I don't want to say exclusive, but like you have to offer something that's not just, we got a burger, Mm -hmm. we got steak. It's like, I I can do that at home, right? And so I think that what Bitcoin brings to the table in that world is we kind of saw half of it during the pandemic where, okay, forced everyone to stay home and everyone you know if you're not ordering food or getting or or consuming goods from Amazon it's like well, what do i do with all this money well in theory if you had saved all that money that you were saving in bitcoin the world actually got cheaper for you so that when you go back out into the world if you have that same value judgment now you know what to do with your money rather than going to a fancy restaurant it's like it's not you you, you can't just let it sit in your bank account because the reason why everything is getting crappy and more expensive is because of what's going to happen to your money in your bank account, inflation. Right. So with Bitcoin, it's like acknowledge the problem, which is what I think everyone is kind of doing. And when you start searching for solutions, you're not necessarily going to start at Bitcoin. Maybe if you know me, you might start at Bitcoin, but there's a progression to things. And I didn't start at Bitcoin, but like I started looking for solutions to this problem and I found you know, uh, gold and Peter Schiff's whole, like, shtick on gold. And if you don't understand, like, why gold has, or how gold's been manipulated, gold sounds like a pretty good idea. And everyone uses gold and everyone knows what gold is. But inevitably, you eventually will find an interview of Peter Schiff getting destroyed by a Bitcoiner, <laughs> making a lot of powerful points on why, yes, gold worked pre-1971, but between 71 and January 3rd, 2009, Gold did not work. It worked for a little bit, but not really. Bitcoin, on the other hand, allows you to at least feel confident in the fact that if this works the way that I believe that it works, I may not be fabulously wealthy, but things do get cheaper for me. Like things are getting cheaper for me if I consider my money as Bitcoin and not as the dollar. And that's why we call it the price of eggs, beef, and gas is because over time, just like we said, the number of acres you can get will go down. The price of eggs, beef and gas is going to go down in Satoshi's. Like you're going to be able to get a gallon of gas for 100 Satoshi's one day, right? Instead of the 10,000 that it is today. Hopefully we're still doing this podcast when that happens. But at the same time, maybe we won't be, right? Because <laughs> I like,
1: think we will. Instead of flirting with Bitcoin, it would be roll it in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's the, yeah, that's the, the, that's the dream. <laughs> that's the sister podcast.
1: Speaking of gold, Mm -hmm. I was on something before Ian was. So I'm going to bring it up. So there's a Costco in the United States, at least one, that has uh, been putting on sale and selling out immediately bars of gold.
0: One ounce bars of gold, yes.
1: And I saw it and I was like, damn, I want one. (laughs) They're beautiful.
0: All bars of gold are beautiful.
1: Beautiful. I love gold. I love gold jewelry. Mm-hmm. I'm Persian. Like, it's, it's, it's in my your birthright. DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been like, are we going to put jewelry on Kian? Like, if he was a girl, I would have pierced his ears already. Like, but, you know, we're not going to do that to him. That could be his choice. Um, but. Yeah, I love gold. And like, I think it's so interesting that I'm going to assume a lot of the people at Costco that bought their gold bars, like this is the first gold bar they ever had.
0: I'm gonna, I mean, I, I don't. I will be
1: transparent. That. I've never held a gold bar.
0: Have you? I mean, I've held a gold bar, but not in the context of I might purchase it.
1: Okay, still, no, I've never held one, period, let alone like, I I was shopping for one and it was like offered to me like jewelry at a jewelry store.
0: I mean, so an ounce of gold is not that big, Mm -hmm. right? So like, when you look at the price of gold, and they say it's around today, it's around $2,000 an ounce, Mm -hmm. right? The dollar number is large. And so I feel like a lot of people in their head kind of think that, it's a gold bar, like you'd see, like in a bank heist. Yeah. Right. No, it looks like it's like the size of a credit card. Mm-hmm. Right. But something that small, when it's gold, it has a weight to it. Yeah. It, it feels mm-hmm. like there's there's something going on here. It's that's powerful. It, it's
1: as a metal, it's powerful.
0: There's a lot we could get into on gold's like physical properties and mm-hmm. and why why it feels different when you hold it. But the 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 point that I would that I would get at is I would say no one, like you said, you've never held a gold bar. Mm -hmm. If you've never held gold or even silver, really, you don't you. It's really hard for you to understand what money is, right? Like that's where I think the Bitcoin, the Bitcoiners have, have the biggest challenge is people who haven't touched gold. Don't understand what, what money is. Or have a hard time understanding what money is and then bitcoiners come in and go yeah but now i got this thing you can't even touch and it's worth more than that thing that if you touch it you're like yo this feels like money Mm -hmm. right it's like that's really hard to to just tell someone who doesn't who hasn't ever touched gold like skip over that and if you if bitcoin works out for you and plays out the way that we think it's going to play out and then they go back and touch gold they are like i like the way this feels
1: i like the way you said money money right
0: like (laughs) It does. It feels different, and I don't. Well, think it's that- really
1: interesting that you're saying that because if they're, I mean, I've held thousands of dollars of gold, just not a gold bar. Um, so I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I have, and I've been in gold shops where I've held very, very heavy jewelry, and like you're like, I understand the price, but there are a lot of people who aren't going to be able to. Mosey on into a Costco in the three-hour window that these gold bars are, aren't being sold out. So it's all, even though you can't touch Bitcoin, it's more attainable than a gold bar.
0: It is definitely more attainable than a gold bar. And the point that I think maybe you were working towards there, but we're going back and forth, is that okay? Costco is selling gold bars. You still got to have two thousand dollars. Yeah. What if I only got two hundred? Can I buy a little piece of that yeah. bar? No.
1: Yeah.
0: You, it's all or nothing with gold. At least whatever denomination that it's in. With Bitcoin, sold, yeah. you bring whatever you have and someone will shave off the appropriate amount of Satoshis for you and hand them to you from anywhere in the world. You don't have to go to a Costco. You don't have to be a Costco member.
1: I think like that's one of the misconceptions that non-Bitcoiners or people who have never bought Bitcoin have is that they see the price and they're like, well, I can't buy it right now. Hopefully, I'll wait till it goes down. I think so many of them don't understand that they could just buy a little.
0: I think that uh, they're going to have to change what's actually displayed when you go to buy Bitcoin, because if you if that problem persists and someone sees that Bitcoin's a million dollars a coin, they're going to be even more turned off to the idea of, of acquiring Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, it's a yacht. It's a yacht. Dude. Say that again. You got too excited.
0: Yeah. yeah. At that at that point, it's just a yacht. Right. Yeah. So what I think is going to happen is that it's going to to the layman. You know, it's going to look like a stock split, right? And on one day, the price of Bitcoin is going to go from a million dollars a Bitcoin to uh, a dollar a or, or a penny for a Satoshi, yeah. right? At a penny Satoshi, the price of Bitcoin is $1 million, right? When that happens, you're going to see another wave of adoption. Because just mentally, it'll be easier for people to do that math and say, I have a dollar. I can buy some Bitcoin for a dollar. I can get 100 units of this thing for a dollar. But at that point, it'll be 100 Satoshis. But everything else is still the same. There's only so many of them. They're yours, not mine. Everything else is still true. It's just that we'll have to start denominating it as USD to Satoshis, not USD to BTC. And the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that no one's in charge. So, Coinbase can make this change today if they wanted to. Like, Coinbase could just wake up tomorrow, CEO could go into the, the, the dev cube and be like, hey guys, uh, divide that by this. Mm-hmm. And that's the new price we're displaying. Yeah.
1: Because
0: I think, as a CEO, right, I think that will get more people to buy Bitcoin and we can charge transaction fees because that's how Coinbase makes money. Right. So, everyone is incentivized, at least from an exchange, uh, all the exchanges, right? If if you make money off transactions, you want the most transactions possible. Once Bitcoin gets to a certain price, you're just pricing people out of the market Mm. that won't even come in. And that's why altcoins exist. And that's why exchanges push altcoins. Because altcoins come in and they're all cheaper than Bitcoin. And they get that transaction flywheel going. They don't really care if you buy Bitcoin. They just want you to click buy. Yeah. So gold can't really shave off a piece or reprice it or do whatever, that's like controlled by the people who control gold in the financial markets. Bitcoin can just do whatever the heck it wants. And if it works, it works and everyone will just copy it. That's what decentralized money is. Like whatever works best is what we're going to do. You know, we've talked on this pod about Noster and Zaps, mm-hmm. right? Well, we talked about this a while ago as like it might be coming, someone's working on it. It appears the guy has like V1 out. The developer has V1 out. It's called Prism. And what Prism does is it's very similar, if not identical to how splits work on Fountain, except you don't need to use the Fountain app. It's through the Zap protocol. Okay. So the way this works is that at the end of the day, any zaps that go to a Noster Note that has this prism feature, the prism, the reason why he calls it prism is like uh, breaking up a light. Yeah. And so you can you can route, let's say 10 Satoshis come in, you can route them can to say, like 10 different. Yeah,
1: three go here, two go yeah. there. Yeah, I, th- you, I think this is like cool because let's say you take a really great photo of you and a friend and send it to your friend and then they post that photo and then they get all of these likes but you don't get any of it added like to your clout situation this way, like you split the likes with them, but instead of likes it's Bitcoin. Exactly. Yeah. I think like there's so much value in that what's happened recently. I think on Instagram, I don't know about the other platforms is you can post something on your feed and it can be from other people. I've never done a post that way. But I see it. And so that way it becomes posted by multiple people. And I think this is another approach to that where you're not taking credit for the content fully. Like, right? I don't know if I'm being very eloquent in this, but I think that there's a lot of value in this, especially if you're like quoting someone or you're reposting, tweeting, whatever it's called on this platform. I think it's an, it's, a more fair way to give people credit for their contribution to whatever you've posted.
0: Exactly. And I don't know which platform I saw it on, but basically there's, you know, I, I think I'm on Noster more than you are, but like they we've talked about the Zapathons, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a new thing that's called zapvertising. Oh. So you can attach a message to a zap. Mm -hmm. So if it lands in, like, my Albi wallet or wallet of Satoshi, these, like, custodial lightning wallets, Mm -hmm. you'll see a message with the zap. So what people have been doing, I get them all the time, is, like, I get, like, a one-sat zap, which is an ad. Interesting. They're giving me a sat. They got my attention for a sat. And then it's, like, click here for, like, whatever, right? But what you were talking about, like, sharing the, uh, you know, sharing the clout, sharing the likes – with advertising, it's like, I sent you an ad. Yeah. Share it now. you're actually incentivized to share it because anything that gets generated from it, right? Like so the initial tweet or note, whatever, the, the Noster note.
1: Oh, that's what Noster calls it. They call it called a note. N-
0: Noster stands for notes On, other things.
1: Oh, I'm just making it up like I know. <laughs> anyway,
0: the N in Noster stands for note. Okay or notes, right. But the point I'm getting at is like the, the tweet that the guy put out, the note that the guy put out saying like Prism is ready. He also said, whoever shares this will get added to the Prism.
1: Interesting.
0: And we'll get it as the zaps come in. Just from the fact that you shared this, you're going to get a cut of whatever okay. this generates. So like I see it as a way like I didn't really get a chance to play with it. We've been kind of busy the past couple of weeks, but I see it as a way for another angle for promoting the show. Yeah. Personally for us. Definitely. I see it as another way for up and coming. You know, we talk about like how value for value is going to change the music industry and the the TV industry and all that fun stuff. I see it as a way for up and coming people to like incentivize people to promote their content, right? Like, And once people understand that that's how this works, going back to my initial premise from a year and a half ago. Content creators don't necessarily want to be on YouTube or whatever. That's where they have to be. Yeah. But once this this world gets set up in a way where you can start making money on day one and monetize your network on day one, yeah, you'll eventually go to YouTube. But Noster and Value for Value are now the new minor leagues. And if you can monetize yourself in that world um, purely through your network effect, then these like top heavy entities like hulu and and hbo and all those guys like you have an actual metric to point to like we are generating money
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so when you make me an offer and say hey we want you to like make a show for hbo it's like you gotta outdo
1: what i'm generating what i'm already generating you
0: have a negotiate you have leverage in that negotiation right now these youtube people they don't really have a whole lot of leverage because youtube can demonetize you Which is like what has happened to Russell Brand recently, which is like a whole other topic that we won't get into. But like it kind of shows that you're still beholden. You have your you have your overlord. They might be more hands off, right? Like YouTube is a more hands off overlord. But if you upset the overlord, they still switch off your revenue stream with Prism and value for value. That's not as possible. So big deal. This guy has been working on it for a while. I saw it came out. It's like ready to go. And I wanted to bring that up on on the pod.
1: And just side note, the writer's strike has ended. They won.
0: Yeah, I mean
1: the actor's strike is still going. They're heading back into negotiations, but congratulations to everyone who fought in that fight. Like it's a it's a huge accomplishment and they stood firm and it was it's, it was you know refreshing to see.
0: Yeah, unfortunately the auto worker strike is still ongoing.
1: Yeah, we did not talk
0: much about that one. <laughs> well, I mean I said, when we talked about strikers, I said, I don't think the auto worker strike is going to work out well for Mm -hmm. them. The writer strike, I figured, you know, they'll work something out. They got
1: most of what they asked for, which is amazing.
0: Well, here's the thing. So I was watching this thing where the guy was breaking down that there's certain industries that are more, that intrinsically have more value in them. And that's what I was saying when I was like, the entertainment industry versus the auto industry, the entertainment industry would probably get what they want this guy gave me an extra talking point, which is the entertainment industry and the pharma industry and the tech industry are IP based industries. Mm -hmm. Intellectual property based industries have orders of magnitude more value than car manufacturing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And the reason is, is that when the United States goes out, it makes these deals with other countries to like bring our products in. If it's an IP, intellectual property related industry, we get some of the str- most stringent, most lucrative like rights and 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 contracts for those industries. So those industries are protected when they go into India or China or whatever, because they're kind of guaranteed to get their money. But like Ford is like just using Ford as an example. It's like y'all can still make cars, mm-hmm. right? Like. Ford gets a head start because, like, we have cars already. We're going to import them. We're going to sell them. But that there's nothing preventing them from starting their own car companies and eventually building up the technology to make their own cars. That's the story of Korea. That's the story of China. And technically, that's the story of Japan. No one can make another Marvel movie, yeah. <laughs> right? Like China can't just say, "Well, this is the Chinese version of of Avengers." Like it just you just can't do it. And mm-hmm. so those industries are protected. So the money is protected. So the 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 people of that industry when they go to ask for the value it's mostly all still there um, and they can't be undercut by someone making like a cheaper version mm-hmm. of avengers so when he said that i was like oh yeah like that's why the writers are probably gonna get what they want you gotta go on strike to get it yeah but it's there and to congratulations
1: be had. to them it wasn't easy yeah um they stood firm and i think it's a it's a great success story for the labor
0: movement You know, it's funny, like, you asked me, like, who's Jimmy Song? That was, like, a thing that you asked the other day. I did. Um, well, he had a tweet about uh, Diane Feinstein uh, passing away. If you don't know who Diane Feinstein is, she's a, a senator from California. She's been in politics my entire life, probably her entire life. Uh, I'm just going to read his tweet, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, the legacy of Feinstein. Feinstein has passed away. Her political career parallels that of Biden, serving as a figurehead for forces operating behind the scenes. Despite a career solely in public service, I guess she's been in it her whole life, um, including roles as a regulator, mayor of San Francisco, hmm, interesting, and U.S. senator. Her net worth as of 2018 was 87 million dollars. She exemplifies the cantillion effect, where those closest to the money creation benefit the most. Her long tenure in power likely stems from a desire to perpetuate this financial advantage. The wealth she amassed didn't just come from U.S. taxpayers, it also impacted some of the world's poorest and most vulnerable individuals. The expansive reach of the U.S. dollar has global consequences. While mainstream media may portray her as a saintly figure, it is essential to scrutinize her actions, which should be described as thievery and fraud. She is a symbol of what is wrong with the system, why fiat money makes everything so political, and why underserving people like herself get to rent-seek and make tons of money at everyone else's expense. Thankfully, there's a way out, and that's Bitcoin. Only by taking away the power of money printing can these thieving oligarchs be stopped. End of tweet. Right now, 53,000 views on his tweet. And then he corrected it a day later and said, I was mistaken. Her net worth is $220 million." Wow. Her husband was a neurosurgeon, to be sure, but he died in 1978. Wow. <laughs> so. <laughs> 78? He died in 78. Her net worth as of 1980 was $1 million. So in my lifetime, Jeez. in my lifetime, she has earned $219 million as a public servant. The only one richer than her in Congress. Nancy Pelosi. Her fellow... San Francisco district rent seeker Nancy Pelosi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so that was the tweet. I wanted to just read it fully, like like reading it into the archive or whatever. Uh, the thing that I like to add to this tweet is that you know our country is run by a bunch of octogenarians. Octogenarians are people that are older than eighty years old, and they're all about to pass away. Natural causes or unnatural causes doesn't really matter. When they pass away, you can just copy and paste their names into this tweet and copy and paste different numbers into those dates that I just said and the numbers that they made, and it'll all sound just as crazy. And the reason why is because these are all the people that created all the policies, that created all the inflation that we're all dealing with. They've been in public service their whole life. They voted yes on all of these things that have have inflated all the things that we need on a regular basis, particularly housing Mm -hmm. and When we talk about their net worth, a lot of it is, I'm not going to say it was all insider trading, but if you know that a policy is about to change and you trade on it, that's one thing. But it's more that they understand what the change is because they were involved in the change. And we as the general public, we weren't involved in the backroom conversations for why the change was even made to fully understand what the change is. So they get to front run everyone on everything. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And Bitcoin, as we said earlier about like rich people will eventually be the only ones that are buying one Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the first time that the general people have gotten to front run something, which is why you see all this government pushback against Bitcoin because they can't control it. They can't tweak the policy of Bitcoin to make it at least... Not detrimental to them, right? Let alone beneficial to them. I
1: mean, all they would have to do is just buy some.
0: (laughs) And I'm pretty certain that they all have some.
1: Yeah, like if if they really want to maintain their wealthy status or even become more wealthy, Bitcoin's the way. Sure, but... But they wouldn't be staying in power.
0: But to embrace Bitcoin, you have to give up your uh, rent-seeking and inflationary wealth-generating techniques that you've been using. These people are in their 80s. They're not about to give it up in the in the last vestiges of their of their careers. They'd rather literally just go blank on camera for five minutes than step away from power. Why would I- Why would I change the game that benefits me? Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Diane Feinstein has passed away. She doesn't get as much scrutiny as like Pelosi and McConnell because she kinda has been in the shadows and apparently Not all there for a while, but she's just up there with all of them. We just don't point the laser at her as much. Sorry she passed away to her family, but good riddance.
1: Shame on anyone around her that kept her working for that long.
0: Yeah, like, if I'm in that condition, don't have me out in public. No, it's,
1: yeah, you know... Let alone
0: trying to do a a job and sitting in front of the camera. Yeah, this
1: is what I was saying to Ian. Like, it must be just so... Crushing to the soul, right? Whatever happens when someone passes away. When people are like, finally, when you die. Yeah, I... I, I... Or people are upset with you that you waited to die to remove yourself from a, from such a position of power. And I will tell you, I think uh, the liberals, whoever you want to say, they're still not saying about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but that woman was 87 when she died yeah and she's the reason Roe Wade was overturned, but she was the champion of like it's like how ridiculous is your ego that you think at 87 you're going to do a better job than a new person that could come behind you like well, I think she was a celebrated champion for so long, but I think she killed her legacy
0: Well, I'm going to say an unpopular opinion about Ruth Bader Ginsburg is that. I don't think she was the champion of Roe v. Wade. I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg made her career and her like, that's like her legacy. Mm -hmm. But she made her legacy on that social conflict in our society. If we didn't have that social conflict, she probably would not have been in that position. That's the way that I see it. I think it's the same thing that you're saying. Yeah,
1: I mean, for me, I just think... For you to stay in a position of power for that long where, look, I'm not knocking people who are old. I'm not saying you go out to the pasture when you're, no, I say you need to have a certain level of energy and.
0: Vim. Vigor.
1: And, and, and also. Sanity. At (laughs) at a certain point, I think it's selfish for you to be making decisions for society that you're not going to have to live the consequences, experience the consequences of. So
0: I am. She wasn't having abortions.
1: Yeah. I'm not. Look, I am a citizen of two countries, so I can vote in two elections. I only vote in the country that I live in. And there are a lot of immigrants in different countries around the world that vote in their own country's elections. But I do not think I have any right to vote in an election in a country that I don't live in. And I think this is the same principle. If you are passing laws that fund beyond your expected life expectancy, like get out of here, get out of here. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. If you're drafting bills for programs that will expire in 10 years, but you don't know if you're gonna live in 10 years, stop working. Your frame of mind reviewing these things does not have
0: the sense of urgency sense of
1: urgency you're not representative of the society how what is the percentage of people who are 90 years old in america
0: i mean it's creeping up there but yeah
1: yeah no it's you're not you're it's this is not a representative democracy so i mean i it's so disappointing and it's such an uncomfortable situation because i really believe that as a society americans don't respect their elders But then weirdly, we have all these elders in Congress. Like, what? What? No. Like, this does not make any sense to me. You need middle-aged and young people in charge. And I think as a society, we need to be paying attention to the young people more because they have the newest information. And we have old information. And I think that's what we should be working towards. Instead, we are, like, just battling the boomers. And these aren't even boomers. I don't even know what generation this is. The greatest generation? Isn't that? I don't know. The BS name that this generation has, they just called the greatest generation. I mean, they didn't
0: invent marketing, so they got to pick their (sighs) name. They got to pick their
1: name. (laughs)
0: but We got to invent marketing. We invented the internet.
1: I have to say, and this is my last piece on this. If you are not Gen Z and you're hating on Gen Z, you need to be quiet. Because every generation tries to rag on the generation younger than them. But Gen Z has been through so much. And they are trying to make it through in a world, and build a life for themselves when there really is no future. Show them some respect because they have more drive and motivation to figure this stuff out than we do. All this government political leader talk, babe, I think it's bringing us to the last story. Yes. So tie it up. So tie a, tie a lasso in the air and, and wave it around and reel it in.
0: So <laughs> we're probably going to call the name of this episode Howdy to Texas. And if you're <laughs> listening to this, that's the title that you clicked on, right? Um, because the mayor of Fort Worth has decided that they're going to plug Bitcoin miners in in City Hall.
1: And Ian is not happy about it.
0: Well... You know, like, when I first heard it, I was like, that's cool. Like, this guy gets it. You know, like, I didn't have an adverse reaction to it when I first saw the story. But the more I thought about it, I was like, no, this guy doesn't get it. I don't think, and I don't think he even understands that he doesn't get it. I truly believe that he thinks he's doing something good. And maybe it's partially a political stunt because Bitcoin is kind of popular right now. But I do I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, I think that he thinks that what he's doing is a good idea. However, by plugging Bitcoin miners into City Hall and saying that the city of Fort Worth is going to mine Bitcoin, it sounds good on paper. But who is going to be in charge of running that program? If it's him, which I doubt. But let's just say for the sake of argument that he's the person that's going to be managing that program. All right, he's already mayor. Now he's running a Bitcoin program on the side of his desk. I don't know what the problems that Fort Worth has, but I feel like all major cities these days have some problems, and I want the mayor on those. So the mayor of a city is now responsible for an array of Bitcoin miners. Okay, cool. In an optimal scenario, nothing goes wrong, and those things just run forever and put Bitcoin into some account that the government of Fort Worth controls. But we all know that that's not what's going to happen. This is a thing that requires people and maintenance. It's a computer system like no computer system just runs. So what he's really doing is he's putting a financial burden on the taxpayers of that city by now you need to hire people to manage these Bitcoin miners. What happens if the lights go out and don't come back on like there's so many like edge cases that can happen that. The city would be better off if he just bought Bitcoin. Uh, it's probably easier to like plug Bitcoin miners in than it is to buy Bitcoin because I don't even know where, a, uh, you know, a local municipality would open up an account to purchase Bitcoin and store it. No but, like, other
1: municipality in the United States has bought Bitcoin?
0: Uh, bought it? No. Huh. Okay. Some something something in Colorado that escapes my head at the moment. They is, said
1: you can pay taxes.
0: So they have ways for it to come in. Yeah. But I would imagine that when you pay your taxes in Bitcoin, what the city gets is dollars. And there's some middleman in there that takes the Bitcoin, converts to dollars and puts it in an account for the government. So what he's really done is put this financial burden on the citizens of this jurisdiction. And he's doing an interview with like the local news agency, but they're not Bitcoiners. So they don't know how to like challenge this idea they're just like wow mayor's doing a cool thing you know like look at this guy he got his name on the news he's probably get reelected because his name's in the news whereas if the guy that replaces him doesn't understand what bitcoin mining is or doesn't agree with it and like shuts it all down then that was just a waste of money however if he just buys bitcoin and the guy that replaces him doesn't agree with bitcoin and decides to sell the bitcoin there's a large percentage chance that he'll have made money for the city And that's the basic premise of why I think this is a bad idea. And I don't think governments should be, local municipalities for sure, should be plugging Bitcoin miners into City Hall.
1: You just don't think they have the technological or business expertise to be able to, out of nothing, operate a Bitcoin mining operation?
0: No, they do not.
1: Even if you don't know anything about this person, you don't know if they... Their, let's say their best friend is a, is a miner <laughs> and it's going to be contract to set it all up and it's going to be state of the art and dah, 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 dah. you still don't think that it's possible that this could be good.
0: No, I don't. Because the basic premise of Bitcoin is separation of money and state. And by having the state involved, having a local municipality involved in this means that while they will not be in charge of the Bitcoin network as a whole, right? Like they'll have a few miners and they'll generate some hash rate or whatever. There are like multi-million dollar corporations out there that are struggling to figure out how to do this at a profit. And they are attracting the best and brightest, at least in the United States, if not the world. And they are all struggling to figure out how to do it at a profit Mm. on a quarterly basis. And this guy is supposed to be managing a city and then figuring out how to do all of this and making sure that it's not costing taxpayers money. I just find it hard to believe that that'll be a successful thing for the government to do. And we can point to many boondoggles that the government has gotten into that they thought government intervention or government involvement would make a thing better. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about why this will just clear itself up is that unlike um, some of the other things that governments get involved in, this will be very easy to measure the success of. How much Bitcoin did you produce and how much money did you spend to produce it? Add up the electricity, add up the salaries, add up whatever you want to add up. And if you did not produce a profit, shut it down. And I'm willing to bet that the numbers will not work out at all. But that being said, I do think this guy has the right idea. He's he's, he's there. He thinks that we should be involved in Bitcoin. And that's a good first step. And hopefully someone kind of, now that he's attracted some attention to himself, you know, if you want to talk to me, buddy, I'll gladly talk to you. (laughs) But like someone can kind of step in and be like, yeah, you're there, but like, Really, should just be kind of holding it as a treasury asset for this for the municipality, like Michael Saylor is doing. So, hopefully, with all this attention that he's attracting, someone kind of pulls him to the side and says, All right, good job, but we can make this a lot easier for you and look a lot more successful.
1: You know, I was thinking about this in terms of it being a sexy headline, right? Mm -hmm. And it probably leading to whether you like it or not, other. Elected leaders, local elected leaders, state officials, whatever, jumping on this as being a fun new thing that they do. Um, If it fails immediately in like the first or second quarter that it's done because the money will be very clear, either they've made Bitcoin to profit or they haven't, right? It might fall flat on its face, but whether or not you want government and Bitcoin joined together, it's going to start happening more and more in the United States. Maybe. And so, while you're criticizing this, I think it's gonna happen more and more, and it might become a trend specifically in Texas. Um, but it's Fort Worth. And so Fort Worth is like huge military town. There's a lot of money in there. So when you at first, you were like, "Oh well, you don't know anything about this mayor, right?" What if the military is telling him to get involved in this? Like, we just don't know if there's any, like, puppet strings being pulled here. But it doesn't
0: matter is my point, right? And and the reason why it doesn't matter is that on top of missing the first principle of Bitcoin, which is separation of money and state, right? The other thing that it's missing is, well, you could, like, point to El Salvador, right? And someone could say, like, well, isn't this what El Salvador is doing? Isn't El Salvador, like, saying they're going to mine Bitcoin and all that fun stuff? And I would say maybe El Salvador is going to mine Bitcoin, but what El Salvador is actually doing is investing in a project that will benefit all of its citizens. And the project that will benefit all of its citizens is that they're building a energy producing, electricity producing power plant from the energy, the heat of the volcano that's in there's multiple volcanoes. But the volcano in El Salvador is going to be used to produce electricity that will be used for the entire country on that free, almost free, you know, on that cheap energy that's going to be produced from the volcano. Yes, Bitcoin miners will be incentivized to go mine in El Salvador if you have some of the cheapest electricity in the world, but your citizens are also going to benefit from that cheap electricity. What I'm arguing is that the citizens of Fort Worth get no benefit from this immediately. They get none.
1: Not immediately, but let's say they mine, they make some... I mean, I get why you're saying buying is better than mining.
0: No, no, no. But like...
1: But let's say Bitcoin shoots up next year after they've mined a couple of them.
0: Like, it, it paid for been, itself. It would have been cheaper to it buy the Bitcoin. It would have, yeah. Right? But so I still like, mean
1: like in terms of if it's successful, then you get other cities that are like, hey, I want to do this too.
0: Sure. But if you told me the mayor of Fort Worth wanted to get some laws passed and get a nuclear power plant built within his district. And then the incentive for, he was incentivized to do that because he wanted to bring Bitcoin miners and or plug some miners into city hall with the cheap electricity. Then I'd be like, yeah, that plan makes sense because your citizens are going to get cheap electricity. You're investing in infrastructure for everybody. Him plugging Bitcoin miners into city hall, it may benefit the citizens. We don't know, Mm -hmm. but because it may well let's just do the easiest thing possible which is just buy the bitcoin. Yeah. Why did you buy miners? Number 1, number 2, you're plugging miners in so you're you're using electricity off the grid so you're actually increasing the rates of electricity. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Yeah. Right? Is he going to shut his bitcoin miners down when the rates go up? No, because he's not a business. You know, there's a other story that like, you know, the 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 power the power generating company of Texas called ERCOT They ended up paying a Bitcoin miner. I forget if it was Riot or Marathon, but like, you know, quarterly reports came out. And the way that Bitcoin miner had their situation set up is that they get paid to shut down when energy prices go up so that the grid has more energy available for everyone else. So it turned out that ERCOT paid these guys a bunch of money, millions of dollars to turn off, but it stabilized the grid. Right. So they as a business, I forget if it's Riot or Marathon they had smart people sit down work out a contract with an energy provider that said okay at a certain rate for electricity we'll shut off which will bring the price back down those bitcoin miners are actually working to keep energy prices low in the area this guy i doubt again i don't know him but i doubt the setup is that when energy gets too high these bitcoin miners shut off i'll do some digging and we'll do a follow up but mm-hmm. the point is is that he doesn't have any of those incentives in place He's a government agency. He's doing this with tax revenue. Yeah. The tax revenue is coming regardless if this is successful or not. Yeah. That's where I have an issue with this is that he cannot be judged on a profit or a loss because the money is going to come regardless of whether it works or not. If Riot doesn't figure it out, they go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And Marathon will come in and buy all their assets and make their lives a little bit better and cheaper. You know. So, like, he's got the right idea. I'm not shitting on the guy. I'm just pointing out that, like... He's, he's at, overcomplicating it. He's at like stage one or two of being a, a Bitcoiner and wanting to do something, right? And he's in his position that he's in. He's like, I'm going to do this thing with Bitcoin. And that's great. And I applaud it. I just hope that someone can get closer to him and kind of explain to him like, this is a good idea. But because that's all he really needs is like, this is a good idea. But.
1: Well, it sounds like you're OK with governments buying Bitcoin. Yes. What else are you OK with governments doing in terms of Bitcoin? That's it. That's it.
0: That's it. That's all they can do.
1: I thought Bitcoin education, you like that El Salvador is launching that.
0: But that's not Bitcoin. Like, governments decide they're gonna educate people on all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they also decide on all kinds of stuff they're not gonna educate people on. So like that's not really Bitcoin. That's education.
1: Would you be comfortable with the eventual well-established, super efficient, low energy costing? Mining of Bitcoin in the United States?
0: That's already happening. Where? All Bitcoin miners fall into that category. No,
1: by the government.
0: The government can't do that. Never. They can't do it. Just like the government can't bring down the cost of healthcare. Yeah. Just like the government can't bring down the cost of housing.
1: What about Hawaii? They have volcanoes.
0: Cool. But if it's the government, it's not going to be successful. Like the government getting involved in an industry, there's a chart. I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes for this show. The government getting involved in industry inevitably always causes the industry to cost more money. Healthcare, education, energy, right? Like because their incentives aren't aligned with market forces. And the government will either create more money and or just run it at a deficit until someone finally goes, this needs to stop. Private entities cannot run at a deficit forever. They just can't someone will stop loaning you money for whatever reason. And once that money spigot shuts off, if you haven't figured out a way to show how you're going to bend that curve back towards the positive at some point in the future, you're done. So no, governments, they probably will get involved in this, right? Like I think Oman and Bhutan are mining Bitcoin, right? But it's kind of like the energy industry as a whole. It's like, you're going to have to privatize that at some point because you're actually just going to be the incentive structure eventually just doesn't work. And I would argue that in the United States, it's really bad in that sense because we are the reserve currency of the world and we can run the biggest deficits. So like nothing has to actually work. We just print more money and keep it going. And the favorite, you know, the favorite line in the government is like, it wasn't funded enough. Mm -hmm. There's never enough money to make anything work. If it Mm -hmm. didn't work, it just needed more money. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if this Bitcoin mining thing doesn't work, oh, it's just because we didn't put enough money into Mm -hmm. it. So now we got these Bitcoin miners that are literally losing money, (laughs) which is not how Bitcoin mining is supposed to work. (laughs) You're supposed to buy Bitcoin at a profit, you know. At least at scale. Right. Right. Um, And it's supposed to incentivize cheap energy. It's not supposed to, but that's what we're learning that it does. And so I would argue like Texas has some of the best energy reserves, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. they have a big shale field. They used to have a big oil field, which you could argue the shale and oil fields are basically the same thing. But like they have energy in Texas. I'm not against burning natural gas or oil or whatever to produce energy, to produce Bitcoin. Like, I'm not against that. But I don't think the government should, like, be out there setting rules and regulations saying, like, you need to burn a certain amount of energy to produce a certain amount of... Like, it's, it doesn't make sense.
1: Wouldn't that be nicer than taxing people?
0: Than taxing people. You'd have to have a pretty significant mining operation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that Isn't is,
1: this how you start that? You have to start from somewhere.
0: Well, like, yes and no. So... In a world where the United States dollar is no longer the reserve currency of the world, uh, we know that this is probably going to happen because it has happened in the past. So, this is not like a hypothetical. It might not be in my lifetime, though. Um, But in a world where we're no longer the reserve currency and gold has kind of proven that it's not going to work either, you may end up with some kind of like techno feudalism where. The only way to acquire Bitcoin is to have Bitcoin miners, because the only way to acquire Bitcoin in the future, Mm -hmm. once we've mined all the Bitcoin, will be the fees that are associated with the Bitcoin transactions, because the subsidy will go away in 2140, right? So in the future, where the only way to get your hands on Bitcoin on a regular basis is to be a Bitcoin miner and... Depending on the amount of hash rate that you have, you will get a percentage of all the fees that are generated on a regular basis. I would argue that those people, he who controls the gold, makes the rules.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would argue that maybe in 2141, Bitcoin miners become small city states. And where you find these big data centers, these big mining farms, and cities kind of build up around them or whatever. Anyone that's kind of like in a spot that stays pretty stationary for a while because of natural resource okay. reasons, like a, a hydro dam or a really sunny place, they could do it with solar or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but that world is like 100 years away. And I don't think the dollar is going to stay the reserve currency until 2141. Mm-hmm. So I think that between now and 2141, the only thing governments should do, if they're going to do anything with Bitcoin, is either ban it and prove that you're stupid or buy it. That's it. Buy it and put it, set it up where it goes to a location where everyone in the world can see how much your government has and then you go print as much money as you want and the world will value your currency against how much Bitcoin you can prove that you have. Until there's no more Bitcoin subsidy and if you don't have the miners, then you won't have a steady stream of Bitcoin. But that doesn't mean that like, taxes go away. If one person has a gun and nine people don't, the guy with the gun is taxing the other nine people. That simple.
1: In Texas, everyone has a gun. <laughs> and that's
0: why the Second Amendment is there. We didn't expect to have aircraft carriers and fighter jets and, and tanks and nuclear weapons. It, it, everyone expected a fair fight, mostly, right? If you can bring 10 guys with guns and I bring 10 guys with guns, then it's who's the most accurate, <laughs> right? The Second Amendment is there and Texans kind of love and celebrate the second amendment because it does, it's an equalizer. You're not coming on my land and just taking stuff from me without a fight. And I would argue that that is why America was very successful in the past. If you can enforce low taxes by the the threat of like, come take it. You can take it. You can have it, but you got to come take it. And we've created a world where they don't have to come take it. They take it before you get it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You see it as a line item on your paycheck. This is how much I took you come take it back from me. And if you can't take it back from me, then shut up. Like, that's not the world that, you know, your boy G-dubs fought for and then walked away from in a very noble gesture. I've been doing a lot of rabbit holing lately. The Bitcoin rabbit hole for me is pretty well established. You know, I don't need to go deep. I need to go wide in that. Um, but I'm on a new rabbit hole that talks about like the history of North America and Central America, and how you know the indigenous people of North and, North and Central America kind of first established what was established here. And Texas actually plays a very interesting role in that. Like Texas is like this place where these mass migrations have like gone through multiple times. And we're seeing that now, like we're seeing another mass migration. You can argue, you know, if it's a conspiracy and like whatever open borders and all the policies or whatever, but however or why it's happening doesn't matter. It's happening. And I think that Bitcoin is going to cause that migration to reverse. And I think that that migration to reverse is starting in in Central America in El Salvador. And one of the things that I learned recently from a video game, because I learned all my history starting points from video games, is that Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and that contingent of countries, uh, Panama, they all used to be one country. And they tried to establish like a federal, whatever you want to call it, in Central America. But they ended up breaking apart into multiple countries that we know today. So what I think is going to happen is uh, Bitcoin is going to help Central America unify into a not necessarily a single country. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think we are we are peak centralization and we're going to only see decentralization of nations going forward. but I do think that the Central American countries are going to form a monetary union um, that is a lot less complicated than, say, the, Euro, the Eurozone or even some of these monetary unions that are starting in East and West Africa that are based on central banks, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that, that particular event happening, these, these, these Central American countries, these Central American countries forming a monetary union, without forming a monetary union, we just all agree to use Bitcoin, yeah. is the only way for stability to return to the Central American region, because the Central American region has been just decimated by being close to Mexico, being close to the United States, all the inflation that we export to their countries. Most of the people in their countries don't want the country's currency. They want dollars, right? Like people from America come to those countries with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, right? Right. And the people in those countries are like, I'll take a million dollars for my land. And up until I would say Bitcoin and probably a little bit before Bitcoin, it's like people didn't truly understand where that money was coming from. And now that everyone understands where that money is coming from, where it's like, you just made this out of thin air. I don't want it. Or if I want it, I want a lot more of it Mm -hmm. since you can create as much of it as possible. Right. No, you're not getting a million dollars for this land. I want 10 million. I want 100 million and that's the inflation, right? So I think with Bitcoin helping them form a monetary union, the the stance will go from I want 10 million dollars for whatever you're trying to buy. It'll be like, I don't care which currency you bring. You can only bring Bitcoin here. Yeah. And once we get to that point in like uh understanding, I think that
1: unvaluing
0: unvaluing things, yeah. I think that El Salvador is is starting it um and I think that some other Central American countries will tack on before 2030. It's going to be a brighter and brighter and brighter beacon for all of these people in the world that are experiencing this crazy inflation and their governments are just doing all of these inflationary central bank tricks to try to convince people that like, oh, we got it under control. We're going to pull these levers and things are going to go back to normal, right? People are just going to start demanding that you do what's going on over there. And I think a good example of that to just like close this out, we could talk about this on the next episode, is that um, Nigeria had issued a CBDC. This has been a thing that's been in the news. And the people revolted so much that they've said, "Okay, we're not doing that anymore. All right. So, you know, things like CBDCs and things like um, government mandates from on high, it's not all guaranteed. It's not all like inevitable that a CBDC comes. It's not inevitable that. You don't get away from central banking. Like there is a way, hopefully it's not a violent way, but there is a way out. And Bitcoin is that, that life raft, that exit strategy. And I just encourage everyone who is listening and can share this with anyone who will possibly listen to really focus on what's going on in El Salvador and what's probably about to go on in Argentina. And anytime someone tells you that, like, the United States can't solve its problem or the Eurozone can't solve its problem or Germany or France or insert whoever in the world is, like, having crazy monetary problems and can't solve their problems, just go. But how is a country of, like, six million people solving their problems in, like, four years?
1: Well, they're small. That's what they'll say. Right?
0: Yeah, but Bitcoin scales. Yeah. So um maybe they'll say that maybe they won't even know where el salvador is on a map but i think that's going to be hard to say just like everyone kind of knows where uh venice is and rome is and constantinople istanbul is right like i think everyone's going to know where el salvador is pretty soon and i'll say it again el salvador is the singapore of the western hemisphere and if you're under the age of 30 i guess You didn't really get to see what happened in Singapore get built up. Just watch El Salvador. It's going to be very impressive. I hope so. What do you think?
1: Me? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) I was like, I don't see why not. I mean, when I think about El Salvador, I've never been. I'm going in uh, April. I think about the Dominican Republic. And I think close to 10 years ago, the Dominican Republic started really building itself up for tourism. I'm going to be very honest. I don't I haven't enjoyed myself when I go to the Dominican Republic. It's not there yet. Um, Granted, it doesn't have the influx of money that El Salvador has. So let's see how how fast it can pace with that. But um, and it's catering to tourism, which I don't see El Salvador doing. El Salvador is taking care of themselves. It's very different.
0: I mean, El Salvador is catering to technology, specifically Bitcoin.
1: Right. And that industry coming to them, which is very different from tourism. Tourism is the worst of the worst Americans <laughs> trying to experience America.
0: You don't get better. Infra- in another
1: country. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You don't get better infrastructure with tourism.
1: Yeah. But my preference is typically to vacation in Mexico because they've been doing it for decade after decade after decade. And so when I look at the parts of Mexico that I've traveled to, um, they've just... Put so much in it for for decades that it's a very comfortable place to live. It's a very comfortable place to visit um I don't know i mean i I have no idea how much money that they're going to be able to utilize to build themselves up and then i'm you know then my concern is like, well, are they going to be taking care of their own people or are they really going to price their own people out of everything so it's not that I don't believe it'll happen. It's just that I've, you know, I have kind, of, I visit that part of the world a lot. Uh, you just have to see how it plays out. And like, first and foremost, I've never been to El Salvador. So it's so hard to talk about a place that I've never been to. It'll feel very different once we have.
0: So I, I haven't been to El Salvador either. Um, but I think the plan is solid. I, I think the plan of clean up the gangs clean up the, the financials and build this power plant on the volcano. If you can have some of the cheapest energy in the world, you don't have to have the cheapest, but if you have the right incentive structure in your country, AKA like tax abatements for Bitcoin related industries and stuff like that for, you know, 10 years or whatever um, to incentivize Bitcoin miners to come to El Salvador and incentivize Bitcoin related companies and industries to come to El Salvador. I don't think like to your point, like tourism is one thing. Like, I don't think a massive influx of Bitcoiners is a fundamentally bad thing. Right. Like a massive influx of people who are not from a place in any situation is never great. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. I think if you get a bunch of builders like Bitcoin builders and people who want to make things and make things better in inflowing into your country, um, that's a lot better than. And I'm not saying this about the migrants that are coming to America, but just in general, that's a lot better than people that are coming to your country who need services and need, like, help. Mm-hmm. Like, Bitcoiners are bringing Bitcoin. And if they're just sitting in your country over time getting wealthier, they're going to spend it into your economy mm-hmm. over time. I really think that, like, it might take a lot shorter... It's
1: gentrification, though, ultimately.
0: Yes, Bitcoin is going to gentrify El Salvador. Like, yeah. And that's just something that, you know as we talked about in the last episode, like I'm not saying El Salvador is full of uh, strip, strip clubs, clubs and, and little repair, repair shops. shops. Um, but I do think that Bitcoiners are going to gentrify El Salvador in a way that. Um,
1: best case scenario.
0: Best case scenario possible for all the people that have a negative connotation on the word gentrification.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Like as we talked about before, Bitcoin and El Salvador are causing them to change the educational system to teach people how money works and like be financially literate. Like that's part, that's going to be part of the curriculum. Like I think that's a positive. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's going to be a generation of current El Salvadorians that get that education. It's not going to be the gentrifiers that get that education. So if you have a country that's fully like a fully, uh, if you have a population that's educated and, and financially literate, because Bitcoiners are coming or like, you know, like because of Bitcoin, like at the bare minimum, it's just going to be a better functioning economy and a better functioning economy is better for everyone. Um, but I will say that, you know, uh, there it is not like all Bitcoiners are are amazing people. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you're going to have your douchebags that go down there and, and start dri- exploitation, driving Ferraris and just being like, you know, general douchebaggery. But. Uh, you can't, you can't control who you have some control. Mm-hmm. You can't control who people are or like how they behave to a certain extent. But I do think that like people that behave like that are not necessarily attracted to Bitcoin. And I think the people that are attracted to Bitcoin that behave like that, they're in Dubai right now. Mm-hmm. Have fun in Dubai. So Dubai's already attracted all of the, the crypto millionaires and all the crypto bros, right? Um, for tax purposes. Um, but they're not, in my opinion, Dubai is not trying to change their economy and educate the population of Dubai and you know like they're not doing all that. They're just saying, "Hey, come here and you can protect your assets. We're like the Middle Eastern Switzerland. That's like Dubai's extent. Bitcoin is kind of like, you know, all the money's broken, right? And we need a base of operation to like fix the world. And it seems like El Salvador for the most part is that place right now until we find a better place or like, they nuke us. So like, let's all congregate in El Salvador. The weather's great. It's very easy to grow food. If they do cut us off from the rest of the financial world, we'll be able to survive in El Salvador.
1: It's time for shout outs. Shout out to our fountainheads. Each week, we give a shout out to the top boost since the last episode. And this episode, 1% of all sats are being split towards spare wallet development. So we didn't do shout outs last episode. So for our strikers episode, shout out to Cindy EO, uh, TNT Mom, Zordon, and Doug and Roop. In our last episode, uh, strip clubs and limo repair shops. Uh, shout out to Whisk we- Wes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that out loud. Doug and Roop and Zordon. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.
0: It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation.
1: Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone.
0: Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well.
1: Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first sats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin, and keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening.
0: Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers.
1: You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode.
0: And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your Fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App.
1: The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive.
0: That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.